Welcome to the Milestone Church Podcast. Whether you are at home, on the road, or at work, we hope you find this message encouraging and helpful for your life. You can watch other messages just like this one on our website at milestonechurch.com slash messages. I want to welcome everybody here at our Keller campus as well as I want to look in the camera I want to welcome our online campus as well as our Haslett and McKinney campus. Can we give them a hand and welcome them? We're glad that you guys are tuning in this morning. I, I, every time I watch that baptism video of Richard, I, I was up here yesterday early about noon, sitting on the stage with our team just kind of doing a run through. And I just kind of looked over and I watched the video and began to cry and just thought, that is so, so powerful. It's never too late for God to get a hold of your life. And the fact that his sister had been praying for him for 40-something years came last night to witness it. That's awesome. Let's never take for granted what God's doing in the lives of people. He's transforming lives. I mean, from the youngest to the oldest, God is, is moving. It's one thing to have a mission statement, reaching people, building lives. It's a whole other thing when God's actually doing it in your midst. So let's give God a hand for all that he's doing. You know, for the past eight weeks, we've gone on this journey, and we've been looking at all of the miracles of Jesus, and, and we're learning about them. And our, our hope is that your faith is stirred up for whatever circumstance or situation you may find yourself in, what need that you uh, have that needs to be met. Maybe it's a reconciled relationship. Maybe it's a physical healing. Maybe it's, you know, God showing up and bringing provision in your life, whatever that is. Um, I hope that you're encouraged to know that God's not just doing those things back in the day, that he's doing them today as well. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And what I love about the miracles of Jesus is it really, it shows us God's heart. It shows us the nature and the character of God. And, and what I love is that there's no one too far gone that God can't reach. There's no situation that's too big that God can't handle. When God shows up in the lives of people, it shows us that he's a lot closer than we think, that he sees and that he cares and that he knows about all of the things that are going on in our life. And so a miracle is when heaven, a divine intervention through heaven breaks into the lives of ordinary everyday people like ourselves. And we see that, that God's full of compassion and love, and, but, but the question is, you know, like, what do we do with all of these miracles? Like, how do we bring this into our everyday lives? And when you look at Jesus, you obviously see God used him to perform many miracles. And G God was showing us that Jesus wasn't just some prophet or another preacher preaching some good news, that he actually is the son of God. But I know that Maybe you sit in a series like this and you're thinking, well, that's great, man, I, I've learned about some cool stuff, but maybe that would probably never show up in, in my life that way. God, God wouldn't show up in my circumstance that way. And, and what I want to do is I want to I show you today that there are three common denominators when it comes to the miracles of Jesus. There's three things that, that we see in each and every one. Before we get there, I, I want to tell you a story, though. I was texting our campus pastors this week because we're always trying to find a way to encourage you, to show you what God's doing, 
And we never really have to look too far in the past to see a fresh story of what God's doing. And this is hot off the press just for you this week. And uh, there's a couple that has been coming to Milestone for a while. They actually serve at our Hazlitt campus with Pastor Ron there. And he texted me this story of David and Jill Harris. And it's really a story about their son, Jeremy. And Jeremy, about a year and a half ago, um, was in a little accident and um, had some, some, some injuries in his neck. And, and through the course of going to the doctor, they discovered that not only did he have an injury, there was a genetic disorder. So for the last year and a half, they've been going all over the place, seeing doctor after doctor and specialist. They had to pull him out of sports, and there's not much that he could do, and he would often cry himself to sleep. And here's a family who's desperate for God to show up in their son's life. And as this miracle series started kicking off, they really, their faith began to ignite at another level, and they said, you know what, we're really going to press in, and we're going to believe that God is going to touch our son. So they begin to pray, and they begin to seek God, and they had other people pray. They go to a doctor's appointment, and he said, you know, there's a, there's a certain type of MRI that, that we need Jeremy to have, and so they sent him to a doctor, and this doctor who read this specialized MRI just so happened to have a child with the same neck injury and the same genetic disorder. The doctor's looking at this MRI and he says, well, he's got a clean bill of health. I don't see anything wrong with him at all. And so he can go ahead and get back into sports and get on with being a kid. And I thought about that this week and I thought, wow, God's showing up in a church family's uh, life right here in our own Haslett campus. So I thank God for what he's doing in young Jeremy's life and how God's showing up. Peter, in his first message, he stands up and he preaches this in Acts chapter 2, verse 22, and he says, fellow Israelites, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, signs, and wonders, which God did among you through him as you yourselves know. And what we see through these past miracles that we've been looking at, we've seen how Jesus healed a woman who had an issue of blood for 12 years. We see a man who is, a, is paralyzed and his friends bring him to a house where Jesus is and there's, there's so much room there they can't even get, get in that they lower him through the ceiling and this man leaves and he's healed. We see a, a Peter who last week um, denies Jesus. He's the guy that's just real courageous and Lord, I'll, I'll, I'll go to prison with you. I'll even die with you. And then when confronted, he ends up denying Jesus three times and guilt and shame and condemnation and just consume him. And he goes about doing what he did before he met Jesus. He goes back to fishing. But Jesus comes and he restores him into a right relationship. But how do we take all of these stories and all of these things that Jesus does and did and is still doing and how do we walk this out in our own life maybe you're here today and you're believing for God to show up in a situation a circumstance and you're trusting God but how do I practically do this well I want to give you three common denominators that we see and hopefully as we pull these together you'll know how to take this and and walk this out in your life the first one is this we see that there's people on the outside you know the question that we have to ask ourselves is who qualifies for a miracle who's qualified to have a miracle in their life because 
I know you're living the same life that I'm living in. When you hear all these stories, you sit there and you think, well, that's cool, that's great. It's great that God showed up in that family, but I'm not expecting God to show up in my life or my situation. I mean, God's busy. I'm, I'm not really living the way that I really should. I, I, I maybe don't know as much Bible as some other people. I'm probably not really spending enough time in worship. And, and you know, I just, I'm full of guilt and regret or... Maybe you just sit there and just think, ah, there's no way that God would show up in my life. And when we look at the scriptures, those are the exact type of people that God shows up in their life. He didn't come for insiders, he came for outsiders. And every one of these miracles that we've been looking at, it was people who felt like God would never show up in my situation. I mean, I, I'm not one of the, the religious leaders. I'm not one of those people that go to the temple every day. I'm not one of those people who give all the time. And these are people who had real needs but didn't really believe that God saw them. Didn't believe that God would show up in their life and in their situation. When you look at the Bible, though, there, there is this element of faith. It's believing without necessarily seeing. It's standing on truth and going, I, I know that to be true. And I, I know you want to do that in my life, so I'm going to trust you. And I'm going to believe until I see it happen. Yes, a lot of miracles in the Bible, faith was involved in the person who received the miracle, just like the woman with the issue of blood. Matthew 9, 22, and Jesus turned and saw her, and he said, take heart, daughter. He said, your faith has healed you, and the woman was healed at that moment. So yeah, I mean, faith comes into play sometimes, but if you really look at all the miracles of Jesus... There were several miracles where people didn't have any faith at all. People were not following God. People had doubt and unbelief. And I, I think of this one particular miracle that Jesus performed in this life of a young boy. There was a, a father and he had a son. And his son was possessed with this demon and it often caused him to go into convulsions and seizures and it would try to throw him in the fire and, and try to throw him in the water and, and kill him. And he brings his son to Jesus' disciples and they couldn't cast it out. And then Jesus shows up and he begins to interact with this dad and he has a deep need. He wants to see his son set free. The people who are following Jesus couldn't do it. But I love his honest response to who Jesus is and in his own current state of belief. Mark 9, 22. Speaking about the spirit, it says it often throws him into the fire or to the water to kill him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. If you can, said Jesus, everything is possible for one who believes. And immediately the boy exclaimed, I, I do believe. But Jesus, if I've got to be honest, there's a lot of unbelief. I, I, I don't really know if you can turn this situation around. We've been dealing with this a long time, and maybe you find yourself here today. And maybe in your own circumstance, in your own situation, maybe you have been praying and you have a level of belief, but if you're honest, there's this dark cloud of unbelief that just kind of like covers you, and you're like, I don't really know if God's actually going to show up. Who qualifies for a miracle? What's someone who has a need? Every single miracle in the Bible started with a need. It's a problem that needed to be solved. It's a wound that needed to be healed. It's an it's a issue that needed to be resolved. So if you have a need in your life, and even if you feel like you're on the outside, or if you feel like you don't have a whole lot of faith, or maybe if you're even doubting, 
What the Bible shows us is that you are, are a prime candidate for someone that God loves to show up in his or her life. So I, I want to encourage you today. You don't have to have this mountain-sized faith. You can come to God just like this father and say, I believe, but if I was to be honest, I don't know how this is going to change. And Jesus is like, just watch and see what I do. One of the other common things we see in the miracles of Jesus is not only did he come for outsiders and not insiders, but there's a waiting process. Can I get an amen in church? My favorite thing to do is wait, said no one ever. No one likes to wait. I mean, it's just something, I think God is, all this traffic and construction, he just thinks those people, the Metroplex, they need to learn patience, the fruit of the Spirit, so they're just doing all this, you know, and the other night, it was a Friday night, and was out driving late, the devil just got all up on me, man, it's temptation just hit me out of nowhere, next thing you know, I'm pulling into Whataburger, and I just find myself just overwhelmed by temptation. And there's a lot of people in this line, and, and, and I'm like, it's going to take a long time. And then all of a sudden, I, I'm like, there's not one line, there's two lines. So I get in the outside lane, and I drive around, I'm like, this is going to be quick. And 15 minutes later, I'm still waiting on a hamburger. It's psychological warfare. They're just playing games on us. I know what we'll do. We'll put a second line in there. They'll think they're getting served. No, it's not, it's not, it's not real. It's not happening. You still got to wait. Oftentimes, I find myself driving in. You know, I'm about four or five vehicles back. And the person at the front, I don't know who you are, but you got one job. Watch the light and put the foot on the gas pedal when it's green. Because I find myself oftentimes, it could even be the second car. You, I, I know you get so bored waiting, you just got to check Facebook. Oh, look at what little Johnny's doing, you know. And we're sitting there and I'm doing this. And then I get to the light and I'm like, you just cost me another five minutes. Gaps. We don't like waiting, but can I propose to you this morning that waiting on God to show up in your life is not at all like waiting in a car line. It's not at all like being in the security checkpoint and having to deal with TSA. That's not the kind of waiting, when the Bible talks about waiting, it's not passive. It's not inactive. In fact, it's the total opposite. And so... Waiting is something that we are presently engaged in the process while I'm waiting on a reconciled relationship, while I'm waiting for a good report, while I'm waiting for a loved one to be saved, a financial situation to turn around, I, there's something that God is asking me to do because there's something that happens in the waiting process. Psalms 27 verse 14 says, wait for the Lord, be strong, and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. This word wait, and in many scriptures in the Bible that, that have this word wait, is the Hebrew word kavah. And literally what this, this word is a, a picture of individual strands being wound together tight to form a cord or a rope that can be strengthened. So think of your life while you're in the waiting process, I'm presently engaged, and God is, is, in my life, is being 
intertwined to who he is and what his word says. And God is doing something in me in this waiting process. But when I come out on the other side, there's going to be a strength and a resolve. And I'm going to know who God is in a new way. So, so if you are believing God for a miracle in your situation, how do you wait? How do we kavah? Well, there's a few examples of what you can do is you can read and confess scripture. See, the Bible's not meant to be just read. It's meant to be read, meditated on, and then confessed out of your mouth. Life and death is out of the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. The word of God is sharper than any double-edged sword, able to divide between bone and marrow, soul and spirit. It's alive, it's living. So when I I speak God's word over my my circumstance, kavah's happening. As I begin to get in God's presence and I worship God and I give God thanks, I might be in a difficult situation. I might be in that waiting gap, but while I'm waiting, I'm worshiping God. I'm not fixed on my problem. I'm fixed on who Jesus is. Kavah's happening. There's strands being wound together. I pray daily. I seek God. And one of the most powerful things you can do while you're waiting is to serve others. So when God says, wait and be strong, each one of those things are an individual strand in your life being intertwined to make a tight rope or a cord where when you come out on the other side, there's a resolve. I know when I gave my life to Jesus at 19 years old, it was almost like instantaneously. I had an encounter with a a spirit of fear one night, and this turned into almost a three-year battle. I mean, every time the church doors were open, I was at church. Every time they had people at the front to pray for people, I was one of those people down there. I mean, you could always count on me after every service. I mean, I'm dealing with a spirit of fear. Well, tell me about it. Well, I'm having nightmares. Was it just nightmares? No, I'm seeing things. Like, I'm, I'm, there's things that are really physically happening. Like, this is, this is something out of a horror movie. They would pray for me. Nothing would happen. And I would fast, and, and I would pray, and nothing would happen. And, and finally, man, I, I, I was getting really, really discouraged. I was like, God, like, why are you allowing this to happen? I'm a Christian. I'm, I'm praying, and, and nothing's happening. And then I begin to find every scripture that I could find that had the word fear in it. And I begin to write those scriptures down, and I begin to speak them over my life every single day, multiple times a day. Psalms 91, I had memorized it, and every night before I would go to bed, it got so bad I couldn't even drive in my truck at night because I was so paranoid, I was so afraid, I was tormented, I was in bondage. Eventually, the resolve and the faith and the word and the worship and the serving and the praying, the kavah had its effect, and all of a sudden I stood and confronted this thing, and the power of that thing broke off me in an instant. And a few years later, I remember reflecting on that, and I, and I asked God, I was like, God, like, why did it take so long? Why did I have to go through that long process of being tormented? God was like, I could have delivered you from that thing the first time you prayed for it. But you would not have learned who I was if I had taken it away from you. See, what happened is I I memorized and I was talking and speaking and praying scriptures about how God is my hiding place. 
how God is my refuge, how God is a strong tower. But in that season, let me tell you, I didn't just understand he was my refuge or my hiding place. He actually became my hiding place. He actually became my refuge. He became a strong tower. I, I, I thank God for even as hard as that period was. What I learned in that process, how to wait on God properly, not sitting in a carpool line, being inactive, not waiting in a drive through wondering when my order's gonna come, but engaging God, there was a resolve, there was a foundation, and there was a strength that came to my life. Isaiah 40, 31 says, but they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles, so they shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. While you're in this process of believing and waiting for God to show up, you know what his desire is for you? To walk and not faint, to run and not be weary, to not give up. Even while you're in a desperate situation, even while your circumstance may not be changing, what you're doing is you're proclaiming who God is in the midst of the trial, in the midst of the storm. It's easy to do it when everything's going right. But in the midst of hell on earth in your own life, when you can stand or you can kneel and you can lift your hands and you can worship God, I love what it does to the enemy. It drives him back. It shows him the love that we really have for God. And it makes God big in our life. The third common denominator I see is a step of obedience. In all of these miracles, Jesus required something of them. Of the paralytic man, he says, pick up your mat. And he picks up his mat and he walks home. Uh, there's a story of a man who has a withered hand and, and he's hiding it. And, and Jesus says, take it out and stretch it out. And as he does, it's instantly healed. When Peter walks on water, Jesus said, get out of the boat and take a step. So for whatever it is you're believing God for, I can promise you there's, there's an action step, a faith step that God is asking you to take. And the question is, what is he asking you to do? What step is God asking you to take? You know, I, I know sometimes it doesn't make sense in the natural. God is other. God is supernatural. And sometimes when he asks us to do something, I, I know in my own life, God healed me of something when, whenever like years had gone past when he said, reach out and reconcile your relationship with your father. I'm like, I've already done that. He's like, do it again. I can contribute some things breaking off in my life that hadn't really, in my mind, nothing to do with that. But me taking that step of obedience in that season, God broke some stuff off. So never underestimate what God is asking you to do. Well, what if I don't know what God's asking me to do? Well, my question would be, what's the last thing he asked you to do? I can probably count on one hand how many times I really know God spoke to me. I'm talking about, thus saith the Lord. You know what I'm saying? God speaks all the time. He speaks through his word. He speaks through circumstances. He speaks through people, through the church. But I'm talking about knocking on your own door and speaking in your ear and going, I'm asking you to do this. A few times, not many. And so whenever I don't know what I need to be doing in that season, I just go back to what's the last thing God told me to do? And I make sure that I'm doing that. Because if I'm in, in line with what God's asking me to do, I know I'm right in the center of his will. So there's a step probably that God's asking you to take. And let me just encourage you to step out 
I will sometimes it's a little scared maybe to make that call or to ask for forgiveness or to do that thing or to reach out, whatever it is. Or maybe if you're in, you're in a financial situation and you're like, I need God to show up financially in my life. He may be asking you to give. He may ask you to start tithing 10% of your income. You're like, if I did that, I'd have less. No, 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 no. In God's economy, you do that, you have more. You're blessed. It's not about that the church needs your money at all. It's about God wants your heart. God wants all of us. And as you take a step, you watch how God shows up in your life. I shouldn't be on this stage right now. I'm really not qualified to stand up here and preach to any of you today. Because when I was a young man, my life was a total wreck. I had dug my life into this pit so deep. Not only could I, I couldn't get myself out, but there was no human being that could get myself out. And as I was facing 13 years in prison, and I, I dealt with so much disappointment and all my, I mean, a human being can only take so much rejection and disappointment till you just want to give up. And I was at that place where I, I just didn't really want to live anymore. I had gone to church as a kid a little bit. I, I really, honestly, I believed in God. I believed God was real. I, I believed Jesus was the Son of God, but I'd never given my life to him because I never thought I measured up. I, I looked at all the things that I had stacked up, the mistakes and the guilt and the shame of my decisions in my life, and I thought, there's no way that he would accept my, someone like me. There's no way. I, I, I hope some of the things that I've done no one ever finds out about, but somehow deep inside I knew that God knew. I hoped that he cared, but... I thought, I'm not like those people, man. I don't, I don't fit into that mold. I mean, people that go to church, man, they got to like it all figured out. Or at least they act like they do. I mean, I don't know. They seem like they're all happy all the time and raising their hands like little weirdos in church. Like, what's that all about, right? And so I'm like, man, I don't fit in that crowd. What I find is I was just like a lot of people who we exhaust all the other resources first before we ever go to God. I was trying to find answers. I was trying to fill the void. But in every situation, in every place that I was trying to self-medicate or, or find love, I found it was just empty. And one night, as I was so desperate and had given up, I just said, you know what? I, I, can't, I can't live another day, man. I, I just can't go on. And so in the process of me trying to take my life, Jesus showed up. And I'll never forget that day, and um, I get emotional when I talk about it, not because I'm weak. It's because it was so profound. It was so real. In fact, I, it was so crazy, I thought I was dreaming, I thought I was making it up. As I lie on the floor and tried to get up to get a shotgun to end my life, I felt, I felt a hand grab me. I, f I felt a hand on my back, and I knew in that moment it was Jesus. I, I, I don't know how, because I wasn't pursuing him. I wasn't seeking him. I was so lost. I was just like a lot of these people that we, I, I'm like, I'm the least, I'm the most unlikely person that God would show up in their life. Come from a really small town, broken home, broken relationships, did a lot of bad things. Like, why would God want to, you know, interrupt whatever he's doing to come see someone like me who's broken 
but he showed up in my life. And what it showed me was that God was not distant at all, that God was really close. That God saw all the things that I thought for many years he never saw. And all the prayers that I prayed and I thought that he never heard, I realized that he heard those things. I began to struggle in that moment and probably say a lot of things, well, I know I can't say in church, blaming God, accusing him of all these things that had happened. But I couldn't get over the fact that God stepped out of heaven and showed up in a broken young man's life. When I felt unwanted, when I felt rejected, when I felt like giving up. And I thought, if that's who God is, if that's who you are, Jesus, I'll give my entire life to you. And I went all in and I gave my life to Jesus. And in a moment, I went from death to life. I went from darkness to light. I went from being blind and all of a sudden seeing life for the first time. As a kid, if you would have asked me, what do you want out of life? I know exactly what I would have told you. I want a home that's full of peace. I want to marry a woman and be with her for the rest of my life. I want to raise kids who have a chance that I didn't ever have. And I sit today and I'm vulnerable for a reason. It's because I know there's somebody here today and you feel like you're on the outside, just like I did. The greatest miracle is the miracle of a transformed life. I, I, I love the fact that he can heal people. And I pray that God would step into your situation. I, I love the fact that he can show up financially in your life. And, and he's Jehovah Jireh. He's God and he can do that. But the greatest miracle on earth is what we saw in Richard's story. And what I'm telling you in my own life. Is that God loved the world so much that he sent his son Jesus to die for us. That there's no person too far gone, there's no problem, there's no situation too wrong that he can't make right. He died on Calvary's cross so that you and I could be made right with him. That we could come into a right relationship with the living God. That eternal life doesn't just start when we go to heaven, but it starts today in a relationship with Jesus. And there's somebody that's watching online or you're watching in Hassler or you're watching in McKinney. And I'm just telling you. Give God a chance. Give God a try and watch how God would transform your life the way that he did mine. I want us to bow our heads this morning. And maybe there's someone here in this room. Maybe you're at a campus or maybe you're watching online or maybe at a later date you've stumbled across this video. And you know you're not right with God. You know you're on the outside. The good news is he came for you. He came for people on the outside. He came for people who felt unworthy, who felt they didn't belong, they didn't fit in. If you want to give your life to Jesus in this room, online, at our campuses, I want you to say this prayer. I want you to say, Jesus, 
I ask you to come into my life, to be my Lord and be my Savior. Wash me in your blood. Cleanse me of all my sin. And from this moment forward, I am yours and you are mine. I believe if you prayed that prayer that the Bible says, according to Romans 10, 9, that, that, you will, uh, get, that you're born in death to life. That's your story. If you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you'll be saved. But there's a second group of people that I want to pray for today at every campus and this campus as well. Maybe you're here and you have a miracle that you need God to do in your life, in your marriage, maybe in your body, between a relationship with someone that you love that's far from God or a reconciled relationship. And if you were to be honest and vulnerable in church today, you would say, I need God to show up in my life and in my circumstance. If that's you at all of our campuses, would you just raise your hand? No one's looking around. I just want to pray for you. I just want to know who I'm praying. There's hands all over here. I know there's hands at our campuses. Father, I pray right now for every need. I don't know what they are, but Jesus, you do. And God, you care about everything that we're carrying. And God, I pray that you would step into every life right now. I pray that you would heal every heart. I pray that you would mend every wound, God. I pray that, Father, Lord, you would touch them in their body where they need to be healed, that you would bring marriages together, that you would save loved ones who are far away from you, that you would show up, Lord, and provide in those situations. God, you are the same 